Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Selective Hearing. This week, I have a very special Mother's Day show planned for you. And I'm not only here with one guest, but I am here with several guests. And all of them are moms. And we are all going to have a very beautiful discussion about all things that surround motherhood. So today, I want to introduce you to my first guest panel ever. So thank you, ladies, for being here. So with me today, I have Miss Ann Kaplan, Aaron Fleming, I have Casey Marie, Lisa Zarafni, and Priya Gupta. Before I get started with everything that I usually get into, my questions and, you know, telling you guys a little bit about me, I would love to give each of these ladies an opportunity to share pieces of themselves with you and tell you exactly what it is that they're, what they do and why they are here. So I'm going to get started with Miss Ann Kaplan. Ann, how are you? And thank you for being here. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'm a parent coach and I also have four kids of my own. So I am living and walking my talk or at least trying to all the time. <laughs> so I work with families of any aged kiddo that are really trying to improve either the behavior or the relationships or energy in their families. And that is going to be very important in this conversation because I, when I tell you I have a line of questions and talking points, this idea was brought to me by one of my listeners who was like, hey, reached out. You're always talking about your kids on your show. I talk about my kids so much that I didn't even realize it. So I assembled this panel of all of these incredible women who are entrepreneurs and mothers. They're all going to add pieces to this conversation that you guys can take away something and apply it to your life. It'll add value to you. It'll motivate you. It'll encourage you and all of those beautiful things. So next up on my panel today, I have Miss Erin Fleming. Erin, how are you today? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Julie. You're very, very welcome. Would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Yes. So I am a mom of three kids and I actually homeschool my kids. We unschool and I have worked as a classroom teacher and had many different jobs before I landed in homeschooling and unschooling. Um, I've also worked as a parent coach. However, in 2020, March 2020, I got sick and I never quite got better. It developed into an autoimmune disease. And so part of my work now is related to finding compassion and helping other people find compassion, especially when, you know, we're faced with adversity. So my work now I call meta-mentoring. And while I do still offer, you know, educational support, unschooling, coaching and parent coaching, I'm really now focused on how to support people, become self-aware, find some self-compassion. And then once we have those pieces in place, it becomes easier to offer compassion to other people too. So ladies, I'm going to introduce Miss Casey Marie to you. She actually helped me build out a lot of this episode. So this idea didn't just come from me and the guest that reached out to me. She helped plant those additional seeds. And then once she did that, I just, I just ran with it. So I've also had the pleasure of working with her as a coach. So I'm going to give you the floor now, Casey, and you can tell everyone about you. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to just be in the presence of all these wonderful women who are doing amazing work in their space. So I am a stay-at-home mom who also homeschool, unschool, and I, got into blogging, which led to becoming an author, which led to becoming a personal development coach. 
And recently I have branched out to really focus on stay-at-home moms. Um, my belief is that we have to create our own identities, even as being mothers and wives or partners, we also have to create our own identities for ourselves. As women, as moms, we spend so much time being everything for everyone else that it leaves little room to be something for ourselves. So I really help stay-at-home moms first create their own identity. And a lot of times that is figuring out what it is, number one, and then also being true and, and standing firm in that identity and bridging the gap between where they are right now to getting to really embodying that identity. And Lisa, hi, Lisa. Lisa and I, I actually got to talk to Lisa for her birthday. So did you have a good birthday weekend? I did, thank you. And I, I had the mom birthday that you would expect that I would. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, I'm going to introduce to you Lisa Zarafi now, and she's going to tell you a little bit about herself. Thanks so much, Julie. It's an honor to be here because you know what? Being a mama, oh boy, that is a special job and it is a job. And the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing today is because of my mom and because of my experiences caring for her. I had the opportunity to be a caregiver for her in the last years of her life. And at the time, <laughs> I was pregnant twice. I have two kiddos. And there was a time that I had a baby, a toddler, and my mother. And I was caring for all of them at the same time. So I was a unique sandwich caregiver. And it taught me so many life lessons about what's important, what matters. I love that Aaron brought up compassion. I love that Casey brought up, you know, figuring out what it is that we want and really, you know, finding our identity. And that was a path that I have been on in the root of simplicity. I really want us to figure out what makes the most, what matters the most actually. It's in our spaces and how we can live our best and be productive in a way that's not doing so much, but it's living more. That's what I'm all about. So at this point, I have <laughs> grown into a productivity and accountability coach for the creatives, the creative mamas who are juggling all the things and not really sure which to choose. But the most amazing part is that we get to choose. And like today, I really want to focus on not only like us building that that friendship and that sistership through us being women, but us also being mothers. And I want to like, I want that to really translate and ring through all of the speakers and ear pods and every woman that's listening. I want her to feel very encouraged and understand that what she's going through, what she may be thinking, what she may be feeling, she is absolutely not the only one. And I'm just going to jump right out here because it's Mother's Day and I know like a lot of moms are probably going to the spa. They're probably getting their nails done. They're probably, you know, getting to take that nap or do that thing that we're allowed to do once a year. <laughs> so I, I want to discuss self-care first and what true self-care is and the stigma that surrounds mothers embracing self-care because I, I've seen it a lot, but the one thing that I also see is a lot of people don't really know what it is or they're trying to turn it into something negative. And I don't believe that taking care of yourself is selfish at all. Like not in a negative way. You should be that kind of selfish in order to be able to take care of everybody in your family. So 
So I want to open up the floor to you ladies so you can all offer your thoughts and how you feel about self-care and what advice you would offer to the audience today. So for me, I kind of have this, this unique take on it. Um, there is this saying that I'm sure all of you ladies have heard and it is always directed at us mothers and it's you cannot pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself because you cannot pour from an empty cup. And I hate, I hate that saying so much because it could not be furthest from the truth. And I always think like, who are these empty women? Like who, who are these women who are walking around with no emotions, with no wants, desires, purpose, with no feelings that were just empty. And so I say that we're all full of something. We're all full to the brim of something. And whatever that thing is, we're pouring it out onto every single contact with. And when you're a mom, the influencing or you're coming in contact with is your children. So I really am all for figuring out what it is that is inside of you, what you're full of, what you're battling, whether you have past trauma, whether you have some you know, unresolved unforgiveness, resentment, and really getting in there and working on that and healing from that so that when you are raising your babies, when you're coming in contact with every single person in your life, you're pouring good things onto them. And that way, we're not repeating these cycles. We're not having our children at 30 years old trying to figure it out and trying to overcome their childhood trauma. So that's kind of my take on self-care. To me, it's bigger than just going to the spa. It's bigger than getting your nails done, right? It's bigger than even five minutes of meditating. It's really about healing and becoming healthy and thriving. I just saw this thing um, and I actually shared it on my Facebook page and it was so simple. It was like, if you squeeze an orange, what do you get? And it was like orange juice. If you squeeze a lemon, what do you get? Lemon juice. It was like, what do you get when life squeezes you? Wow. It was just like that simple. And I was like, good question. Good question. When, when life squeezes me, what do I want to pour out of me? And I want it to be love and confidence. And I want it to be strength. And I want it to, I want to be resilient. And I want to be compassionate and all these things that are really, truly who I was born to be. But, you know, I had some other things that happened in life that kind of detoured me for a second. So for me, it's big on putting those things inside of me. One, so I can give them to my kids so they'll never know the things that I knew. And hopefully, you know, the things that I teach them, they will learn even more and they'll take the practices that they shared with me and they'll adapt their own and they'll give the those same things to their kids and their kids will do the same thing and then I feel like that's how you also get into the cycle of like breaking generational curses I said it stops with me and I'm going to pour out love instead of dysfunction and toxic behaviors so yeah I I agree with that a lot and you know just to say I learned a lot of that from you too hey Hi, I'm Priya <laughs> and uh, I am a social media strategist in Singapore and I run my own organization. It's called Social Connection. So I basically focus on uh, women and uh, how they can use social media platforms 
to upscale their business there uh, i'm more focused into home homepreneurs it uh, deals a lot of with mothers so that they can you know um, upsell and uh, they can promote their uh, whatever they are doing from home and let the world know what they can do or what they do the best yes uh, every day i deal with a lot of mothers i deal with a lot of uh, women who are caregivers first of all i would like to wish all our listeners and all our panel members a very happy mothers day i personally believe that to be a mother you really don't have to give birth to a child as women we are the nurturers the love givers the caregivers and whoever like all the women out there who are taking care of their parents or dogs or pets or anyone on this earth because we believe that we keep doing that every single day as a woman not only to our child but to everybody in our community a very happy mothers day once again so talking about uh, self love uh, well uh, yes when i think we mothers are very stressed i mean from the moment we conceive and the moment we give birth we feel oh my god we are mothers we cannot set any wrong examples we cannot do anything wrong all the time we have to be right and you know something called messed up mom but the truth is um when we give birth right we become mothers for the first time as well so it's the first time we have that tiny little thing on our in our arms and we don't know exactly what do and don'ts we, we rely upon a lot of uh, suggestions that's coming from all relatives parents neighbors friends and also we rely a lot on the internet but when we connect right with the child i personally felt that that when my daughter was born in 2013 she was uh, diagnosed with a heart problem she has a hole in her heart and when doctors told me for the first time that you know she has this problem and she probably need a surgery going forward i was shattered for a day and then on the second day when i you know first saw her took her in my arms that's something you know came from within a promise that she's going to live a full life she's going to live a better life than i did for that to give her that life first i need to take care of myself i cannot be shattered i cannot be negative i cannot be somebody who is all the time giving away because when you as you said when you squeeze life what do you get right so i don't want it to be someone who is like stressed all the time and anxious and pass on the same anxiety to your child and i realize that a lot need to be fixed within myself before i can fix my child's life so yes for me self care definitely starts from within by taking care of ourselves as Casey said not by going to the spa or uh, meditating but rather working on ourselves and giving ourselves that break saying it it's okay to be wrong it's okay to be you know sad some day taken off or you know just feeling not feel like doing anything right it's okay absolutely okay and most importantly figure out like what we as mothers as individuals wanted to do with our life and because that would be the right example that you're going to set in front of our kids not by you know imposing a perfect life or uh, try to be the perfect person in front of them i want to do something today while we're still talking about self care and it's on this panel i want to put a rest to the superwoman expectation <laughs> what i mean by that is the whole you know you do everything right and you're kind of expected to do everything you expect yourself to do everything i know for me i thought that i was supposed to cook clean take care of the kids take care of my husband walk the dog exercise all these different things like you're supposed to do all these things and do them well all the time 
I know that there are other women out there who may feel the same way. So I just want to let women know that that's not really healthy and it's okay to leave the dishes in the sink sometimes. It's okay to leave the toys on the floor. It's okay to say, I'm tired. Today is just not a day or any of that and I need a break. Like you do not have to place these unreasonable, unhealthy expectations on yourself 24 seven. What the best thing to do is like ask yourself, like, what do I really need? Listen to what you need and follow that advice. So I just, I, superwoman, I hear that all the time from some of my friends. They're like, oh, you do this, you do that. You're a superwoman. No, 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 I'm not. And I get tired. I get frustrated and that's okay. You know, like that's okay. And people may not see it. Like I cry sometimes. That's okay. I just, again, want to, I want to see what you guys, what your definition of the superwoman expectation is and how you feel about it. But for me, I think it's a unreasonable, unhealthy expectation. And I just want to put it to bed today. Like you are okay. Just the way you are, be perfectly imperfect and embrace that because you're going to be able to be better for your family in doing that. So that's just my little bit about it. I could jump in. I feel very aligned with what you had to say about recognizing we have needs, just like the people that we're caring for, our children. Lisa was saying how she was caring for her mom. You know, we have all, and pets, you mentioned walking your dog. You know, there are all of these needs. And especially when the needs can be loud, like young children can be really loud in expressing their needs, it can become hard for us to hear our own needs. And part of that might be going slow so that you can hear your needs. And then other times, you know, if things are going really fast, you might not recognize your needs until they are like screaming at you to pay attention. I loved what you had to say about recognizing our needs. And one of the things that I like to keep in mind to drop the superwoman persona is I'm going to hold on to my needs tightly and the strategies loosely. So for example, my need might be for ease. I've got a busy week this week. I need things to be a little easier for myself. You know, maybe on, you know, a quieter week, I might make some really lovely meals for my family. But on this week, I know my kids are perfectly happy having crafted dinner three times that week for dinner. So that's how I'm going to redefine self-care. Self-care for me is looking after my need for ease. The strategies, they could be anything. I can, I can get creative. It's really holding my needs with care. That's important. Yeah, this is Anne. It's been so interesting to me to just listen to everyone talk. I, it's like almost like a reflection for me, which I think is really could be really helpful for people listening to this is like recognizing how far we've even come like some of these ideas about like the stigma of um of self-care or this expectation of super mom like those are things that used to be so dominant in my mentality and listening to us talk about them now it feels like i'm looking at them through like a haze of like backward gaze i think that's actually really important thing to consider if you're listening to this podcast it's mother's day give yourself credit for how far you may have come the way that you were thinking about yourself in the past versus now and are we done no of course not never <laughs> but to really see like how how you've grown and changed and all those things and and it can be really affirming just to know like okay well we must be on the right track if you know some of these things are starting to feel a little bit like it's time to be done here. Like you were saying, Julie, like it's time to just put this to bed 
once and for all. Like, I don't think that we would have been talking about this in those same terms if we were having this conversation, let's say like 10 years ago, this whole idea of it, it's once and for all, we're done now with this. It doesn't exist anymore. Like there's a lot of incremental steps that have happened along the way to get us to the place where we can really like confidently and calmly say like, it's time to close the door on that. And there's a whole different way of being um, that really, at least the way that I work with my clients around these kinds of things is recognizing both like a very logistical and I'd like to say like terrestrial reason for self-care but then also in my work with clients, we spend a lot of time like connecting to our higher selves, our higher purpose, our higher power. There's a very like almost like sacred aspect to self-care as well. Like if you know that the best version of you is what your kids deserve or the world around you deserves or every person you interact with deserves. Well, first of all, very logical and practical for you to do the things you need to do to be the best version of yourself, because otherwise you really aren't executing at your highest level. But there's also almost like a sacred or higher reason why we do that, which is like we were put on this planet not to be half of what we could be or to give to the world or share with the world just a fraction of our gifts. Like we're put here to be all we can be and share all we can share. And this is our one and only chance on this planet. Like it's almost like your moral duty to take care of yourself in a way that actually translates and creates a ripple effects that you really have the potential to create. And especially as mothers, when we truly are creating the ripple effects that are, you know, at our disposal, we are completely changing the planet because we are having such an impact on the next generation of people like this is this is what this is our legacy this is what we leave behind this is the mark that we leave on the world is how we influence and affect and support and help and heal and break generational cycles and all of those things for our children man that was beautiful the idea of you know our potential and honoring that. And Aaron, I just want to call out how many times you use the word need. It's so incredibly important. And of course, I love your style already. I think we have a similar compassionate kind of approach to say, okay, let's, whether it's a need or a goal or whatever, hold on to that, but let's be flexible how we get there. But I want to call right back to Casey talking about that you can't pour from an empty cup. We hear that a lot and I will honor it in that it reminds us about self-care, but I would also encourage you to think about filling your cup up solely because you deserve it, not simply to pour it out to others. Now, as mothers, as nurturers, as caregivers, this is what we do intrinsically and it is such a beautiful thing. But yeah, pouring into you just solely because you showed up here deserving of it, that's the starting point. And and you're right, it's to be celebrated that we're actually having this conversation. But, you know, it does take steps. And maybe you're listening right now and you're like, sounds good. But also when reality hits, I still feel all those things like what Priya was saying about perfectionism. And I still feel like, oh my gosh, my, my kids are big, like the loud voices Aaron was talking about. It's so true. One of my favorite parenting tips ever was to think to yourself, don't let their wants go above my needs, right? So I'll, I'll say that again, their wants above my needs. That's going to be a problem. So when we start to think about self-care as not this optional thing, not this pampering thing, but a true need, a need for us for our, to nourish ourselves and our soul and our potential for this world, not to mention showing up better as moms anyhow, so bonus, <laughs> you can't see it as anything but absolutely a requirement. And then if you want a bonus bonus on top of that, every choice that you make, Make. Every time you choose your 
yourself, you're modeling for your children to do that same thing for themselves. Exactly, exactly. I have the same you know, uh, point of view that Lisa just mentioned that yes, every time you're doing, you're setting that example in front of your kid, like, you know, giving yourself importance is so important. And also like as mothers, I think we are, we constantly face FOMO, that's fear of missing out. We are like, you know, uh, we need to be there, we need to do this, we need to be everywhere, we cannot miss on everything. It's okay to take slow, take your own time. You're just a new mom, maybe, and you don't have the time to do your nails or hair or color or dye your hair or for other anything happening around the world. You have give time to yourself, understand your baby, get used to your new routine and that's absolutely fine you're not missing out on any single thing and then you come back and then when you're enjoying the other stuff apart from parenting again just get in okay it's fine your kid is at home with nanny or with grandma grandparents or uh, someone to take care of or with the dad maybe but you are fine right you don't have to be everywhere doing everything and can Take things slow. It's absolutely fine. Each and every stage of parenthood is challenging. People say like, you know, once you, once your kid become five-year-old, it will be much easier for you. But we all know that once they get five-year-old, the challenges changes. It never stops right there. So give yourself that time and it's, it's okay. You cannot run with the world, like with everything, but you know, at, especially the working moms are going out, doing a nine to five job. You need to try to overcompensate, you know, okay, I have had a meeting in the morning and I couldn't attend my child's uh, you know, friend's birthday party. So I must be doing something more this weekend to compensate that. And the child feels that, you know. So sometimes they get into that habit that, okay, since you couldn't come, since you missed that, you need to compensate me with some other gifts. So that is not the right expectations. I think setting the right expectations is also very important for us we mothers. We all agree that we're not super women and we cannot get everything done. So yeah, be... Uh, you know, be a little uh, gentle to yourself and kind to yourself, and that's perfectly fine. We are not, you know, bad. There's nothing called bad mothers. They're only mothers, and we all are doing great. Casey, you want to put Superwoman to bed? <laughs> <laughs> of, of course, uh, of, of course not. But then uh, we none of them have seen us, right? It's still a fantasy. It's a myth. Okay, uh, would love to have someone flying around all the time. But then, yeah. <laughs> I think it's one of those just kind of cliche things. The biggest thing that moms can do for themselves and for their children, for everyone in general, because usually mom is like the heartbeat of the family, right? We're the ones that kind of set the tone and we set the pace for everything. So I think the biggest thing, if you're listening and you're wondering, like, what is something that I can do? immediately to see a difference and an impact on my day is to set daily intentions for yourself. That, for one, what that's going to do is that's going to get you laser focused. You need to do the move the needle for that day, not for tomorrow, not for next week, but today. So when you wake up in the morning, the question is, what do I need to do today to survive? <laughs> what do I absolutely have to get done? So I primarily focus on stay-at-home moms, but this is true for working moms as well. What do I need to do on my job to move the needle? What do I need to do in my home to move the needle? And that is the priority, right? These 
couple of things. If I get these done, then I'm good. I've survived the day. And tomorrow I can ask myself that question again. What do I need to do today? So it's about living in the present. Um, a lot of moms that I work with are battling living in the present. And that's why it's important too for self-care for us to kind of flush all of this stuff out of us so that we're focused on the present because we are taking so much into today and tomorrow and the next day that should have been done and dealt with yesterday. So for moms out there listening, when you get up in the morning, you ask yourself, what do I want the day to bring? You don't just leave it up to whatever the day throws at me. What do I want to do today? How do I want to feel today? What do I want to exude today? Who do I want to be today? And it doesn't matter what happened yesterday because that day is gone. So that's kind of my take on how I put the superwoman thing to bed because I'm all about good enough. Even as a stay-at-home mom, you know, I'm all about good enough. Sometimes the comforter gets pulled over messy sheets and the pillows get stacked up. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> you know, sometimes like um, Aaron said, it's, it's craft dinner tonight and that's good enough. No one died. We've all survived. And it's good enough some days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so true. Look, there is a week we ate pizza. Like the kids, my kids are going through a phase where they only want to eat three things in life. And one week it was pizza. And I just bought like a stack of DiGiorno's and that was it. Like pop them in the oven every day. Like, and everybody was good. Everybody survived. See you tomorrow. Like that is, <laughs> that really like it happens. So there's so many layers to motherhood. And I feel like we're often, that expectation of showing the good side is always there. Here's my perfect little kid, my well-behaved kid. Here I am, this, you know, well-presented mother and all these different things when really like there's so many different complex ships that are involved in being a mother. And I want to, one, normalize today in this conversation, supporting mothers mentally and spiritually, but I also want to normalize talking about these things that are very uncomfortable in motherhood. I wanna talk about the flip side of things. We do get burned out. We do have resentment sometimes. <laughs> like we do have certain things that happen that just leave us like, what? What am I doing, you know? So I wanna like, address some of these things, share some of our own personal experiences, because I know some of you moms out there listening maybe, you know, experience some, some things or maybe you have. And I want you to know that as long as you're putting your, you're putting your best foot forward, it's okay. But it's also okay to talk about this outside of, you know, just talking to your best friend or, you know, just sharing at the kitchen table it in silence. It's okay to talk about these things. You need to talk about these things. You need to address these things so you can be okay. Um, yeah, so thinking about like the flip side, the burnout stuff, I mean, I think not to put too fine a point on it, we're talking about mental health here, which is like, I think a huge topic that isn't discussed enough, or in my opinion, frankly enough. And just because we throw out the buzzword mental health doesn't mean that you have mental illness that you know, you're, you know, so far down some imaginary rabbit hole that you you know, are stuck or beyond help or anything like that. Every single human being has 
a mentality, they have a mind, they have emotions, therefore they have some degree of mental health or lack of mental health or whatever. And the stuff that we're talking about today, whether it's self-care or just changing your mindset about being a superhero or any of that stuff, it all feeds so much into these ideas of mental health. And so we could be talking about something as serious as postpartum depression to something as one of the things I ask in the very first thing when someone starts working with me is to do this exercise I call it your parenting compass. And it's literally called your compass because it's about giving yourself direction in motherhood and part of that exercise is asking yourself like what do I love what lights me up what's my ideal day what are my values even and things like that and you would probably not be surprised to hear how often I have conversations with moms after they have attempted to do that exercise saying like I honestly can't even answer any of these questions I don't even know who I am anymore I've lost myself so much in motherhood this whole concept of mental health is like um the flip side the burnout whatever however we want to call it you know it doesn't have to be only the scary dire stuff that we hear about although it totally can be it can also be as some something as just this feeling of like i don't know who i am i feel rudderless um, I'm, not, I'm not happy i'm not satisfied i don't feel fulfilled i feel guilty that i feel those things as a mom you know, all of those things, like the biggest tip I can give to everybody is say it out loud, tell a person, talk about it. Because when we were talking about removing stigma here and all these different areas of motherhood, like the best thing we can do to remove stigma is just talk about it and stop hiding. And almost everybody I know who has had some journey to the position that everybody on this call is in of helping people and being this help meet to parents and moms, we have gotten here because of our own journey and our own familiarity with every single thing that every listener is going through right now or has gone through. So, you know, talk about not being the superhero, right? Like we teach what we need to learn. We we're a few steps ahead, maybe, so we can help you and guide you. But we're certainly no stranger to exactly what you're experiencing and going through. So, um, yeah, I would say let's like really not be afraid to name what we're going through and share what we're going through 100 percent the best way for us to get through anything is to not do it alone when you first brought up this topic i actually like the way you made the segue into this topic you know thinking about expectations first because when I think about burnout, I think, you know, what can lead to burnout? It can be having really high expectations. And then on the flip side, burnout can also happen when you just don't have the resources. And I'm sharing that one because I'm thinking whether you have had trauma in your family or you've had trauma in your life, um, that that usually brings with it less resources. So for example, um, if you've had trauma, like generational trauma, maybe you don't have caregivers to step in and help look after your kids um, or caregivers that you trust to take that role. Um, or maybe you, maybe you really are needing to um, exert yourself in ways that you wish you didn't have to, or maybe you don't have, maybe you're a single parent and you don't have the same resources that someone else might have. And when you don't have those resources for whatever reason, that can lead to burnout. When I think about burnout, it's a tough one because 
I know for me, when I've experienced burnout, there's actually nothing I can do once I'm burned out other than just ride out that wave, be super gentle with myself and, you know, try not to get depressed <laughs> about the fact that I'm there. But yeah, that the burnout is real. It's uh and again, I think that's sometimes what happens, not just with that high expectation, but when we've had not very many resources for a long time, that's what happens. And I don't know, lots of lots of compassion out there to the moms who are either experiencing burnout right now or they're on they're hovering right above that level of burnout. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't have those resources. I don't know that I have answers for you, but I, I hear you. I see you. My heart goes out to you. I uh, resonate with that a lot because I, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a village. So I operate in a space where at one point in time I was working and I chose to work opposite of my husband. So someone always had our child. And then when the pandemic hit, I decided, well, I lost my job. And then I just decided never to go back. Like, I'm just going to stay because it's the best thing. And then I, I got pregnant, had a COVID baby, did all of that stuff. I literally have been in a space of fear. And I know that there are mothers out there. I am afraid and I'm still overcoming that. I am afraid, absolutely terrified of leaving my children with anyone because of things that happened to me when I was a child. So I've, I've been in a space of no contact with toxic family members. And then I still have not been able to move into a space of being safe with the idea of, I can leave my kids here for a little while so I can take a break. And I know that there's probably a lot of mothers out there who've experienced that, who are experiencing that. And it's very important for you to find a way to take care of you in those times. Because like I went through burnout postpartum twice <laughs> like things got so real and so heavy for me for an extended period of time that I didn't even know like if I was gonna make it I was like when I came out of it and like I'm still you know turning the corner and that's why I do this show but when I started coming out of it like there was a time where I looked back like, what did I do that how did I make it through that because it's insane and then there's like little pockets where you kind of remember but then you don't, you know? So to the mothers that are carrying that heavy weight, just from me and my own personal experience, I will let you know, it's free to let it go. And just do that. So that's what I'm gonna leave that part of it on. And I'll give you the floor now, Casey. Yeah, so <laughs> I think the most amazing thing about being a mother or a parent in general is that people just expect you to know how to do it. And we expect ourselves to know how to do it. It's so amazing how we will go to training for months and months to learn a job. And we will take a course to learn how to drive. We educate ourselves on so many things but society in general I think there's this stigma that you can a child or I became a caregiver of a child I, I don't I don't know this world I've never um done this before and 
there is no training that I went through to be able to be successful at this. And I think we need to normalize getting that training in whatever area you need it in to be the best that you can be. And it's okay to say, I, I lack communication skills when it comes to my children. I don't know how to deal with a tantrum. I don't know how to put a schedule together for my family as a stay-at-home mom. And I think we have to normalize people being able to admit that and seek additional resources and seek people that know how and they've done it before. I think the point that we reached the burnout is when we've gone so long, trial by fire, learning on the job, and then like you said, Julie, things happen and you're like, what the heck? Unfortunately for moms, sometimes we are the ones that are left kind of holding the bag. We, we take the blame. We are a lot of times the primary. And so when something goes wrong, we're either the ones who made that decision and it didn't go right, or we're either the ones who didn't make a decision at all and kind of just allow things to evolve. So the biggest thing I would say to listeners is it's okay to say, I've never been in this world before. I've never been a mom and I need help. And I always tell people, go back to the last time. Go back to the last burnout situation. Go back to the last breakdown. Go back to the last time you cried and what was it about? What was going on? What were the emotions? What was it centered around? And that may be something that you need to seek additional resources and additional help in. It could be as simple as budgeting. <laughs> Right? I got to cook a meal for an entire family. I've never done that before. How do I do that? How do I budget this money? How do I go to the store and figure all this out? Oh my gosh, there's so much, so much goodness. Um, starting with Anne and the speaking up, right? The idea of creating community and yeah, my heart goes out to you as well when you don't have a village. When I was caring for my children, I was caring for my mother too, who was supposed to be my village, right? When you think about this impact that it has on you, it's not only that you are, you know, physically taxed with what you are doing as a mama, but you are mentally taxed by all the stories, by all the hurt, by all the grief, everything that that you've all brought up. One thing I want to point out in this, um, th there's that sliding scale. Aaron touched upon this of, you know, like you've got these expectations and then you have resources and where are you with that? Keep in mind the season of life that you're in. And there was a season of life where I too could not find someone to, to care for them, uh, and especially all three of them. It was very complicated. So that was a time where I, you know, what Aaron said about the strategies, right? Shift your strategies and, and do something different, but still try to get to that need point. What you're coming back to is energy management. And that's like my zone <laughs> as a productivity coach. And it's, it's not the time management, it's the energy. It's how are you nourishing you? Where are you coming from? What do you have, you know, what limits, what bandwidth do you have? And then adjusting accordingly. And that can come through 
self-care. It can come from really when I talk about decluttering all the time and people are like, you're a productivity coach. Why are you talking decluttering? Like, because you have extra stuff on your to-do list and in your schedule and in your mind and your expectations do not need to belong, especially right now. Is there something you want to do eventually? Yes, but it might be a not right now. And so think about the seasons of life. And the the last thing that I would say as you're listening to this and brought this up, and and I, I love that you brought this up because it's so important. We talk about burnout as this big thing, but there are little things that tell us. And I know for me, when I would lose my sense of humor because I'm an utter goofball, I'd be like, oh, stress level is high. And, And when I say that, it's not like that used to happen to me and it never does again. It's cyclical. It still comes back. But the more that it does, the more that we can be like, ooh, early detection, right? We talk about early detection in medicine, early detection in where you are. Check in with yourself. This is a great moment. You're listening right now. Yay, by the way, for listening to this podcast and honoring yourself. Take a moment to check in, do a little inventory and be like, how am I feeling? <laughs> and where am I? Have I have I been sharp and weary lately or uh, am I doing okay? And the more that you can, the easier it will be to to build that resilience and to come back. Wow, what great insights. I mean, it was so good listening to Casey, Anne, Erin, Lisa. Wow. When my daughter was born, I was I was going through every emotions and every uh, chapters that you just mentioned. I believe that, yes, as mothers, it's so, so easy to say and it's so difficult to implement. The minute you conceive, the minute you become a mother, there's so much suggestions all around you. You're flooded with suggestions, but you know what you're going through what your needs are as Anne said like it's okay to come out and say that I need this you know it's okay to be vocal about your need and what help is you know till the time the things are inside your mind they create more noise they create more buzz right so taking action is really something that required if you're new mom or you're a mom of a teenager every every chapter as i said every phase of motherhood is challenging and you know if you don't have that village if you don't have that support if you don't have that resources you need to take actions number one look out for people who have similar experiences instead of uh, you know random trying to search like you know tips on motherhood on google and you'll get thousands and thousands of them you can go to a simple thing as you know uh, as facebook group there are so many motherhood groups you know so many parenting groups join them and check out like what people are going through what other mothers are going through what are they what are their struggles or what are the suggestions that they are following you find them you know relatable you talk about them and it will give you the confidence slowly to speak out if you're someone who's not you know very comfortable to talk about your problem or what you're going through right now even seeing them reading them will slowly give you the right intention to go and speak about yourself this is what i'm going through can did anyone went through the same situation what helped you can anyone help me out with my state right now what are the steps that will help me to come out of the situation right now all of these as you communicate right and it don't have to be the going to the real people like you know your parents your friends or immediate people that you know but rather sometimes the uh, using the online platform right using this platform you get to know so many useful information and see that there are so many others who are going through the same thing and when you see them uh, you know uh, working on it you will also get in confidence that okay if she can do it i can do it too and number 2 is we just 
which is most most important is reach out to a coach i mean this really help instead of you know talking and waiting for your best friend to get free even she is you know uh, in middle of her life and her situation you know she may not be correct there for you every single time but your coach will be whenever you need her it's a something personal it's one of the biggest gift you can give for you know for self care or for mental care whenever you're burn out you can talk openly to a third person always always things are much easier when you know that you're talking to someone who has gone through the same path who is more you know knowledgeable about what you're going through right now who can help you who can who is not biased who is not going to judge you for you know what you're going through talk to the coach the, you know it will always make your life easy it will make your make your life more structured so figuring out that at what state you are in and for that it really help the online communities really help even if it's whatsapp group or be it the um you know facebook groups or instagram or on the linkedin people are really talking about women mothers more and more they are getting more vocals so there are stories in there there are experiences in there that will help you that will try to figure out that what exactly i am and what kind of coach and help i might need and then try out i mean you know go and approach a coach and you know, discuss a problem or ask a friend or a community member who has already taken help of a coach and see how things have improved so taking actions really really matters instead of holding on to a certain problem for a very longer period of time go and you know talk about it figure out and take actions i think it will make life much easier you know this is ann again um i really just want to celebrate priya for saying out loud like hire a coach get help yes. like i think this yes. this channel <laughs> this channel is such a funny example almost of what we as moms and women sometimes do which is put ourselves on the back burner like listen this is a panelist of professionals our job yeah. is to help people with exactly the kind of struggles that we're talking about and how many of mm-hmm. us raised our hands and said you know how you can solve this problem hire me yeah. this is what i do with my life I've devoted Correct. my entire life to helping you, <laughs> but do we toot our own horns? Do we step out and you know shine our lights like that? No. So bravo, kudos <laughs> to Priya for doing yeah. what all of us probably should be doing, even more than we are. Just like typical moms, <laughs> we're just like. Here I am. I'm just in service of you instead of also this is an energy exchange and I would love the opportunity to be able to help a listener and work with the listener and fulfill my mission not just um you know in this magnanimous way but also like as my <laughs> act of service my career on this planet is to work for you. Absolutely. And and uh, you know um uh, I have experienced it whatever I am right now. I have anything I, what I have done best it's because of my coaches. I'm so glad that I'm someone who went out be when vocal. Sometimes it's paid, sometimes unpaid. I I didn't miss a single opportunity to be coached. and it it was really really liberating and because i took help of certain coaches at my life i'm able to figure out i'm going to overcome those problems today i can you know confidently say confidently suggest women out there that get yourself that coach you need it you really really need that and it's going to help it's it will make your life really beautiful because motherhood hood is a very beautiful face instead of complicating it with all your negativity feelings and traumas get someone with whom you can talk figure out 
take actions and get going and enjoy the phase because it's not going to come back you know the years that you spend with your toddlers with your little ones it's not going to come back once they grow up they grow up they find their own way out hiring a coach i think is the best thing one can do it really works i would like to add that the day is mother's day and my mother's day gift for all of my listeners is there is a resource page added to my website So every coach that you're listening to today, all you have to do is go click the link to their websites and read everything, contact them and find out is what you do with this help. Does this work for me? Maybe you will hire everybody on this panel. Maybe you'll go one by one, (laughs) but whatever the case may be, the opportunity to speak to them, to connect with them is right on my website. So don't be afraid to take the first step and reach out and just say, hey, I'm ready for help. One thing, um, I know we're saying higher, higher, and sometimes that is a scary word for people. Just know that all of us have free resources that you can gobble up. (laughs) Don't be afraid to go to someone's website and take advantage of all the free resources. You do not have to be um, in a chokehold because of finances, because I guarantee you all of the women here, including myself, we did not get into this because we were so hungry to make money. We got into it to help because as some of the other ladies have mentioned, we've been there (laughs) through the fire. And so we realized that Anne touched on this, living our purpose and our higher self is that I didn't go through these things for nothing. And so now it is my job to help another mother who is in the thick of it because I have something to say to her that will make a difference. So go to our website and get the free content. I totally agree with that. And I also love what Priya said, which is like interview people, everybody, you have this opportunity not only to get these free resources, but also like sit down for free for most most of us. It's like an hour or something like that, a consultation where you actually get to talk to and pick a coach's brain and get their take on it and see if you click like there's even that is this amazing free resource that's it that's available to you. So even if you do feel this feeling of like, you know what? Yes, I do want to hire someone. Great, good for you and be picky, you know, like go out there and find the person that's really, you can feel in your heart of hearts, this is the person that is gonna make the change for me, not make the change for me, but catalyze me to make the change for myself. And, um, and, and that, you know, we're meant to be together. Right. And, and it might take you a while to find that person, but you might be surprised. Like we know what we're doing out here and we're really good good at connecting with and validating and attuning to our clients and stuff like that. So, you know, give yourself permission to wait until you find your match, take advantage of all those free resources, meet people and interview them and, and all of that stuff. And throughout that process, even before you've paid anybody a cent, you will have already experienced so much love, so much care, so much more like even belief building that better is possible. That by the time you actually do find the person you want to invest with, you are going to be so primed and ready to just completely blow your life out of the water. It's going to be amazing. So we talked about 
I know I, I, sh I had a, a vulnerable moment where I shared with you ladies that I don't have a village. That's as a result of specifically childhood trauma. We all have different, you know, trauma and drama and fears based on whatever was thrown our way in life. Be that medical, you know, or personally for us or like Priya for your daughter. For me, it's childhood trauma. I know Lisa, you mentioned you were a caregiver and a mom at the same time. So I just kind of wanted to talk about how our traumas and certain things in life affect us and ask you a very candid question. Has it ever shown up in your parenting and how did you navigate those waters? Well, anybody who works with me already knows that I have like, when it comes to myself, I have no filter. Other people's secrets, I'll take to the grave, but I am like an open book. So it's like almost hard for me to pick how my trauma has shown up in my parenting or how drama affects my parenting or whatever. But I can definitely say uh, this is to me is one of the biggest things. And I'm sharing, I'm choosing this because I find it very common in a lot of people that I work with as well. So I bet you that it's going to strike a chord with more people than just me. So um, I also had a really traumatic childhood. I was raised by some really authoritarian parents who hadn't really done their own homework in terms of their own mental health and things like that. And so, you know, I came away from parenting. Well, first of all, knowing or sorry, came away from childhood. First of all, knowing no way do I want to be the kind of parents my parents were. So no yelling, no hitting. No screaming, no shaming, no humiliating, like all of that stuff. But, you know, unfortunately, just a list of things you're not allowed to do is really not enough to get you started on the right foot as a parent. And so I realized as my kids were born, well, first of all, old habits die hard. If that's what's normalized for you, no matter how much you have like a shame message about it for yourself, you're still going to find yourself yelling or whatever it was. And that's what happened with me. But then also I realized that that huge shame message I had about it was keeping me from, unless I was pushed to my limit and losing my temper, holding actually healthy boundaries with my children. Because I had this association, you know, saying no, giving a consequence, enforcing a boundary that was completely associated in my mind with being like angry and alienating and violent and all of those things. So I wound up being this like crazy, like moving target for my kids, which was like most of the time I was actually way too permissive of a parent until I wasn't anymore. And then I was like the rage monster. And so that whole cycle is so common being that's one of the major side benefits of my job is that my clients are constantly normalizing for me my experience as a mom. I see that happen a lot. Like when we have been raised by authoritarian parents, it's super common for us to accidentally wind up being permissive parents which is also not good for our kids. But then on top of that permissive parenting Sunday of not great parenting, there's a cherry on top, which is the explosion that can be happening around the corner at any minute. And that is, that's my default way of parenting if I weren't doing my work. And so if that's you, you're not strange, you're very normal. Or like sometimes I say to my clients, you're boring. <laughs> like, nothing you're saying is surprising me which is great to know. And there's so much you can do about it. So like, I will absolutely 100% to my own horn and say like, I am a kick-ass mom now. And it's because I decided 
to look all of those unfinished business bits in the eye and be super intentional about how I parent and also to drop the shame like that shame message that I thought was like the thing the life raft that was going to keep me from screaming and yelling at my kids did not that was not the life raft you know I had to let that go for sure so that that's just an example of like childhood stuff really coloring your parenting um I was just letting Anne's message sink in. Julie, you can make a whole podcast on this one question. (laughs) Uh, This is such a big one. I think for me, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about recent trauma for me, which is medical trauma. I I got sick in March 2020. We think it was COVID. Um, I'm Canadian and in my province, we didn't have publicly available tests. So we'll never know for sure. It developed into what we think was long COVID. And at the time that was the start of the pandemic doctors, sorry, I still have a lung disease. And sometimes when I talk, it get, it gets activated. Doctors didn't know what that was at the time. And so I just had like a bunch of really terrible symptoms that were not going away. They weren't showing up in tests that were being done. And eventually um, like some people with long COVID, Uh, I developed an autoimmune disease. My path for living was really narrowing. I still don't quite like saying I was coming close to dying because I don't know, I kind of look at my body and I think my body did amazing. It adapted and adjusted um, and kept me alive and was going to keep me alive until the very last breath. That's just the way I want to look at it. Did my kids, like, did that affect my parenting? Absolutely. I was bedridden. I was on oxygen and I couldn't talk. <laughs> Sorry, it gets emotional for me just because it's it's just a year ago that I was in that position. And so I think the interesting thing for me in going through that experience was the connection and the time that I had spent with my kids before getting sick. It was still there even when I couldn't talk to them. So they wanted to come and snuggle in bed with me and just tell me whatever thoughts were on their mind. I had to let go. I had to let everybody else do all of the things that I was used to doing as a mom. Like I, if you're in bed on oxygen and you can't talk, then you all, you can't cook, you can't clean, you can't do all of the things that, or I couldn't do all the things that I was used to doing. I was hospitalized. I was treated. And when I came out of the hospital, first of all, I was on a high, like, oh my gosh, I'm alive. I didn't know that that was going to be my outcome. That's how close I was to not making it. So initially I was on a high and then I was really scared because I didn't know, will I be able to venture out into the world? Like, am I safe? And my doctors didn't know either. Uh, They were terrified of me getting COVID after being treated because I was just so medically vulnerable. And so did that affect my kids? Absolutely. It was traumatizing for all of us. Like, thank goodness we homeschooled because we already had in place, you know, a community of homeschoolers who were supporting us and knew what we were going through, but they couldn't do the activities that they loved. Gymnastics, for example, because it it was too vulnerable for me. As I came off of my high of realizing, okay, I'm going to get to live. I I went like the other direction and I, I started telling people, I think I'm I'm on the verge of like PTSD. Like I I could go there. 
anyway, I didn't. <laughs> and part of my experience of not going there, I think, was doing all of the things that everyone's mentioned today. I, I started writing all of my journal entries that I had been keeping throughout my illness. I turned them into a book. And my kids have seen me going through each of these emotional highs and lows. And I didn't try to hide it from them, partly because I want them to see my humanity. I want them to see me as the work in progress that I am, that we never stop learning. It was important to me that they were invited into my process so that I could be invited into their process too. So I, like I said, I turned this into a book. I'll try to keep the story short. As I launched the book into the world, I'm watching my kids' response to it. And they're like cheering me on in a way that I didn't expect. And I think that is... You know, no one wants to go through something traumatic. Um, sometimes we don't have a choice in life about what happens to us or what we're born into. But inviting my kids in for all of the emotional roller coaster that it was, in the end, I think it was empowering. Um, I know it was empowering for me, not to say that I would want to relive it or wish it upon anyone else, but inviting them in to see my process. Um, I think that that gives them a clue that this doesn't have to, you know, the hardest moment doesn't have to define you. Yeah, I guess I'll end it there. <laughs> we have to say goodbye to Anne. She already bowed out. I know we kind of got a late start and she had to leave right at 5.30. So um, audience, goodbye to Anne. Wow. I heard your story in during our pre-interview and when after we had our moment and all that I like felt your energy for the rest of the day after you shared your story with me I was just like wow I shared with Erin I was like I I feel this way but I think every mother greatest fear is leaving this world before their children are prepared to care for themselves and I shared that was my fear with her during our pre-interview after she told me everything that she had been through because that is the most terrifying thing for me as a mom. It's just like, I always say just, hey, thanks for today. I'm grateful for today. And please just keep me until they're okay. That's like, I even write it in my journal. Thanks for today. Thanks for opportunity. And like, just keep me until they're okay because I don't even want to think about being in that position and you made me think about it all day long. Like I look at these little people running around and I just honestly want to know they're okay. So thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, that's a very, very powerful story. Yeah. Um, I, I'm remembering some of our conversation and at one of the points when we weren't sure if I was going to make it, I was calculating in my head, like, if I want to give them one birthday card until they turn 18, like, how many birthday cards do I have to ask my husband to pick up on the way home so that I can write them out in advance? And, like, facing that fear, it, it's not even facing it, you know, I wasn't even processing it. It was actually just like, this is where I'm at. This is what I want them to remember, you know, that I, I was thinking of them and loving them to the very last minute, even if I couldn't really talk. <laughs> but I, I think so many parents, that is our greatest fear, right? Especially when you get to know your kid and you know the parts of them that the world is not gonna understand. You know, whether your kid is neurodivergent or, you know, they just have that personality <laughs> that can be both a gift and it can be, you know, hard to take, you know, I. It's so hard to come up against that reality. Like I may not get to be the one to hold them 
I may not get to be the one to protect them or advocate for them in the ways they need advocating. It's, it's really hard to face that potential reality. For me, um, as everyone has mentioned before, um, I definitely had one of those rough, traumatic childhoods. I grew up in a very negative, toxic environment. And so I realized, and I think what a lot of mothers realize is after I had my children, I could forgive my parents as a daughter, right? I could forgive them. I, I longed to have a healthy relationship with them. But once I became a mother and I look back on the things that happened to me, I could not just forgive because it was that light bulb moment that I looked at these, you know, these babies that that God entrusted me with. And I thought in my mind, like, how could you? How, how could you treat your child this way? And so there was this process of me having to, I dredged up all of this stuff, all of this stuff. And I had to just systematically work through it because I knew that I did not want to dump those things onto my children. And Anne touched on it when she said, using shame to guard you against repeating the things that you were exposed to and that you learned does not work. You have to actually do the work. You have to actually learn a new way and practice a new way and build up those healthy habits. And so that was me. I had to go through it and I'm glad I figured it out early so that, you know, while my children who they're six and eight now, but when they were little, you know, I had to do that work because I did not want to repeat these cycles. And in doing the work, I realized because it opened up that whole world for me where I realized it wasn't just, you know, my mother dumping it onto me. It went back generations, her mother on her, and then my grandmother's mother on her. And so, like you said, Julie, it ends with me. It has to stop with me. I cannot repeat this. I cannot allow my grandchildren to be subjected to trauma because I didn't end it with me and now I dumped it on my children. So for me, that's the big thing. And I think even as a stay-at-home mom, it became even more prevalent because I was the one there with them. And, and I still am, I say it like I'm not a stay-at-home mom, but because I'm the primary caregiver, I'm here during the day in homeschool, so there's no buffer. So I had to make sure that I was 100% healthy so that I could still manage the manage the children having a bad day to my bad day as well. So I just want to encourage moms out there, listen, that do the work, do the work. Do it now. Even if your children are teenagers, do it now because there's a lifetime. There's a lifetime that you have to model this good, healthy behavior. We're going to say good goodbye to Priya. 
I'm so sorry because we kind of got a late start, but I'm I'm sorry, ladies. No, no worries. But yeah, it was lovely talking to all you ladies, getting to know your experiences, and uh, I mean, um, it just made my day. I mean, uh, thank you, thank you so much, Julie, for giving up this uh, platform for organizing this, and I wish once again all our listeners a very happy Mother's Day, and. Um, all you beautiful ladies thank you thank you so much it was a great uh it's a pleasure uh, connecting with you all yeah. thank you bye 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 I'll keep this real quick on because uh, we talked about the different kinds of trauma. Um, Aaron, thank you so much for sharing your your story and the fact that it is so recent and and just a reminder that these things can come up for us so many times. But I mentioned earlier in the conversation that for me, the trauma would play out in terms of anger and outbursts. But it's not just anger, which is unusual for me, but it's that lack of humor. And really, I think the key word here is when I was in survival mode, um, it was so difficult to be joyous and to have joy in your life and joy is so incredibly important and as I uh, progressed in my coaching and, and understood deeply how we have to know how we work best and how we need the self-care and, and to manage our energy. Part of that's managing our joy, understanding our joy. It's not just managing it, but first knowing it, what brings us joy. I have a worksheet I use with clients called the joy list, which is super fun to fill out because it's finally sitting down to say, oh, what do I love to do? What do I lose track of time doing? What nourishes me and lights me up? And it was through that process that I was able to come out. Well, first it's understanding, ooh, this is a, a sign of burnout, right? Um, that I'm, I'm yelling and I'm not, I'm not seeking to understand my children. Ah, okay, I'm not getting what I need. And so that we, it all ties back. It's not just how is this trauma playing out, but, but what is it that I'm missing? It was the self-care. I mean, it's just all connected. So that's, that's my story. <laughs> I'll keep that nice and quick. All I can say is find your joy, keep seeking that out, and that will truly help heal and and balance what's going. I mean, as well as understanding where the trauma is coming from, you deserve to find that joy. So now in terms of the question of the stay at home and the the or the working, I mean, when I it's so funny when you say working mom, I'm like, we're all working moms, right? To me, that's the first thing because I was a caregiver. I was at home. I was working from I've been all of the things <laughs> in some like capacity. And I really feel like they're both challenging, just like every age level is challenging, right? I think the biggest argument that I would have, and I'd love to hear what, what you all have to say about this, is this idea that whatever it is that we're doing, it, it's like these misconceptions that we have all the time. Like if you're um, working, then you have to pretend like you don't have a family. And then when you are with the family, you have to pretend like you don't have work. And I, I kind of feel that way with my business sometimes. Like, is that an expectation? Like, nope, we're all talking about it. My kids are on point. My podcast music was created by my son in GarageBand. I'm so proud of him. You know what I mean? Like, we're all working together here. And I think that's so important. And then when it comes to stay at home time, I think that misconception of, oh, well, you're available, right? What? No. <laughs> Wait a minute. What do you mean available? Available for what? You know, like, it's just that idea that you always, it, like you're on demand somehow, that you're able to be that way. And I, I just, can we just stop that already? Like, so that, those are my, those are my two perspectives. Um, and I will, uh, I will 
offer up the floor here uh, to keep the conversation going with you ladies. Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I feel like everyone in my life thinks that I'm just sitting here watching Netflix, eating popcorn, drinking wine, enjoying my day. Like, I'm not doing anything. Like, oh, like, if I had a dollar for every time I heard, like, you need to get a job, like, what? Or did you just say that to me? Or what are you doing? Or you need something to do. Like, honey, when I tell you I have plenty to do. And I think that when you're at home, there's more expectations on you by your family because you're here. So it's like, oh, well, mom's there, mom's gonna do it. Oh, she's there, she's gonna do it. Oh, like there's never, you don't get sick time or vacation time. You don't get to, you don't get to like get relief sometimes. You're always in the thick of it. The stigma that is attached to being either or, because I think you, we're both moms, we're both doing our thing no one should be coming for us and we definitely shouldn't be coming for each other but <laughs> we do and that's why i wanted to make sure that i close the show with this today so ladies you'll know if you're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom like your work matters and you're both working really hard to like lift each other up stop with the i do this and you don't do that or i do that and you don't do that like just cut it out um, so stay at home mom. So I've been both my youngest up until he was two. I was a working mom. And then when I got pregnant with our second son, um, we decided that I would stay home. So for me, it was and I touched on this a little bit before that transition was crazy. <laughs> the transition going from having a career and like killing it in your career and having an entire plan for your career and to suddenly have that pulled from you and not pulled from you in the sense that I didn't have a situation like Julie where, you know, COVID happened and I was let go. My husband and I made that conscious decision. And so it still was like a, whoa, who am I now? And why is it that I was able to thrive on my career and I feel like I'm like just flapping in the wind as a stay-at-home mom? I feel like this is chaos. This is crazy. I can't even tell you how many times I was like, I just want to go back to work. I know how to do that. I went to school for that. And this, I don't know how to do this. And honestly, for me, I got into the trap of because I am a researcher, I did my research. And unfortunately, I was watching all of the YouTube, the organized moms who were labeling the pantry, you know, the the Instagram highlights of their perfect life and the house is never out of order and there's matching mommy and me outfits and so that's kind of that was my vision of going into it and I quickly realized no sweetheart um you have a real life but you are comparing your real life to highlights to scripted social media <laughs> And what you have is real. And you are also a homeschooling mom because we made that decision very early as well. So I have no buffer of sending them to school and having that that time, you know, in between. And so for me, it was that reality. And it was having to admit that I got to take a step back and evaluate and figure this thing out on a very um, 
almost not emotional level saying that I can't cut it, but on a level of saying I need to get educated. I need to figure out a system now that works for me and my family. I need to, and, and that is what I want to tell moms. It doesn't matter what you do. Do what's good for your family. Does it matter if you work outside the home, if you're a stay-at-home mom that works in the home, um, if you want to get your side hustle, do what works best for your family and own that. Don't allow other people to come. Like you said, Julie, you need to get a job. Well, having a job right now isn't good for my family, but thank you for your suggestion. <laughs> You know, do what's right for your family and be okay with that because all of the opinions, they're not there day to day. They're not paying the bills. They're not up with that child in the middle of the night. <laughs> so have, have that in your mind. If you need permission, all of us are giving you permission right now to do what's best for your family, to own that, and to be proud that you are brave enough to do what's best for your family. And speaking of family, I have knocking on the, my office door right now. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And everyone, we're going to say goodbye to Casey. Bye. Bye, ladies. It's been a pleasure. I, it has been such a treat to meet all of you and to be on this panel with all of you. And I'm so happy that that it's so many diverse women doing this work. So thank you all so much and have an amazing rest of the day. I guess I, I want to like resist the label even of stay at home mom versus working mom, because the way I kind of see it, we all have these parts in us. Um, you know, we have the part that wants to contribute in the world or have a sense of community or have a sense of independence and our own income, um, be there to help our kids. You know, we probably all have all these different parts and then the expression of those parts then gets labeled so if you're a stay-at-home mom maybe you're saying at this particular point in time i'm choosing to value these things because i think it's going to be the best option for me the best option for everyone maybe at another point in time you might want to change your mind or maybe you start off doing one and and switch partway through so i really struggle <laughs> like even myself I, I often have not shared that I'm a stay-at-home mom, not because of a stigma attached to it. It's more like I'm a I'm a way more complex person than the label stay-at-home mom implies. I'm very entrepreneurial. I have my own business. Is it as successful as it could be if my kids were in school and I were not also trying to split my time that way? You know, probably I it would be a very different business if my if I weren't looking after my kids, but this is something I really want to value right now. Um, likewise, my friends who are working, I definitely don't want to bash them for making the choice that they made because, I don't know, I understand that too. You know, one of my friends, I'm so glad she kept the career that she had because when she and her partner split up, she really needed to step in and have that job security so that her family would be okay. 
Um, another friend, like she's often said to me, I don't think I could be a stay at home mom. And, you know, in some ways, you know, if I'm having a bad day, maybe I want to judge her on that. <laughs> and then on other days I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I see how you come alive when you're doing work that's really important to you. And if you were not to do that work, you wouldn't be able to show up for your kids the way that you do. So I think all of us have these different parts in us and how they're expressed at any particular point in time. It's just a snapshot in time. <laughs> We're all juggling all these different parts. And so, yeah, I guess I, I just want to share that idea that although it might feel tempting to, to give a label, trying to resist it and understand the other point of view, the other perspective, I think is helpful. In terms of thinking of a mommy moment that I want to share. I I actually couldn't think of just one. Um, as soon as I started to, like I made some notes before this recording and as I was thinking about what do I want to highlight, it was actually my daughter. I was listening to her, like, I think I just felt proud. It doesn't really necessarily even have anything to do with me, although I hope that in some way it does. But I was listening to her talk to her friends and they were talking about having a sleepover and it's that first sleepover. And I don't know if any of you have kids who are at that age where they're planning sleepovers. And one of the kids in the group, one of the, the friends, she didn't feel comfortable having the sleepover. And so she was really holding back and quiet and not really participating. And I just listened to my daughter like notice that, notice that someone is not sharing in this excitement of this idea. And she got curious about why this particular friend wasn't talking about it. She created safety so that that friend could share what it was that was worrying her. And then she like, she kind of guided the group into like this brainstorming session of how to include this person who maybe didn't feel comfortable at all going to a sleepover, but how they could still kind of include her. And I was just watching that and like, it filled my heart up. And I thought, wow, if this next generation has that skill set, oh, <laughs> that's a dream come true for me. So it's not directly related to me, but it felt hopeful. And that's the one that I wanted to share. Oh, that's so beautiful. Uh, and I do want to just a quick call back to the the stay at home, the work at home, the working, who's working, we're all working. And, and just to say that I love the reframe on the idea that really what we need to be thinking about is how are we showing up in the way that we value for right now? Like I talked about the seasons of our life and that's exactly what you're saying is think about it less as is it us and them or who are they or no, it's just who am I? And how do I want to express the love that I have? And the most amazing thing about being the mamas that we are is that we get to choose. And speaking of being the mamas that we are, um, I have older kiddos now. And, you know, there was a season in my life, as I said, as a caregiver, where it was pouring into them completely. And one of the thoughts that I had that I was just inspired by our conversation today hadn't even come to me until right this moment is that they have poured into me ever since because they've kept me going and kept me alive and kept me to a point of wanting to become the person that I am today. They inspire me continually. And my favorite part that I was thinking of to share with you today is how now that they are older, I have an almost teen and a teen, I get to enjoy them as these unique people that are just their own 
truly their own people, exploring the world and interacting in unique ways, but also interacting with me. We play music together. We watch similar shows now, which is kind of wild because I'm like, isn't that a little adult for you? Oh, I guess not. You know, <laughs> and it's just it's a really beautiful a beautiful moment and a beautiful gift to be able to have fun with them. And when I mentioned before about finding our joyousness, it's, it's a gift to me to be able to share that joy with them. I have two little boys, ages two and four. And what makes me feel proud as a mother and really good is that they aren't afraid of me. Because I remember being so afraid and not feeling safe and watching them run around freely and happily. And, you know, like my two-year-old says, have a good day every day. Or he'll wake up and say, it's a beautiful day. Like, just knowing, like, how happy he is, how safe he feels. Because I question myself. I still have that that tennis racket of me banging the ball up against the wall, hitting it back, where I'm like, am I doing okay? Are they okay? Am I hurting them? Am I affecting them in a negative way? And to actually see them show up in a way that shows me that me being intentional and me caring for them and pouring into them and loving them is true in all of their actions. That's what makes me feel so good as a mom. That's knowing that they're happy and they're safe. So... That's that's what I wanted to share, ladies. <laughs> Julie, that was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> My heart feels so full hearing that and picturing the energy and the joy of your kids. That's uh, that's really beautiful. And what a beautiful place to wrap us up because that's <laughs> that's all we want as mamas, and you're doing it. Thank you. And so are you ladies. And and thank you again for being here and being a part of this discussion. And to every lady out there, every mother out there, happy Mother's Day to you. And until next time, this is Selective Hearing. <laughs>